Welcome to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I'm Deb Coviello, and as the Drop-In CEO, I drop into businesses and assume the CEO role to mitigate crises and help teams get back on track. This podcast is about helping the C-suite leader to navigate challenges with confidence. For today's leader, I'm here to help you get back on track. Tomorrow's leader, let me partner with you to learn the secrets of the C-suite. Wherever you're at in your career, this is the podcast for you. Hello, I am Deb Cobiello, founder of The Drop-In CEO, and I am so grateful you joined us for another episode of the podcast where week after week, I have amazing conversations with these guests where I glean so many insights, and I hope that you will find this valuable and potentially inspiring in all that I do, whether it's my solo podcast or when I bring an amazing guest here. I am here to provide services, insights, and inspiration for those C-suite leaders of today and tomorrow to navigate challenges with confidence. And with that, I am so grateful to bring onto the show Robin Hills, who is the director of EI for Change, a company specializing in educational training, coaching, and personal development focused around emotional intelligence, positive psychology, and neuroscience. And it is all about trying to build resilience increased self-awareness and understanding of others. He is an accomplished author, having written two books, and we're going to go into that. But I just want to bring this quickly over to Robin so that he can share his thoughts with you. But first of all, Robin, I am so grateful that you've dropped in. Deb, I'm so grateful that you've invited me to drop in. Thank you ever so much. So the reason why I wanted to bring Robin on today, you may recall if you've been following me for some time, I have had several experts on emotional intelligence on the show and how it is so important to individuals and organizations. But because it is such an important topic and we are starting 2024, I want to remind people how important this foundational work is to setting a successful strategy for the future, but I'm also so, so curious about his thought leadership and perspective in this area. But without further ado, I would love for him to take the stage a bit and share a bit about yourself, Robin, personally, professionally, and how you've arrived at this work. Sure. I started my career last century when I was working in the pharmaceutical industry in sales and marketing. I uh, really enjoyed the role. Worked at it solidly for about 15 years before I moved up to the northwest of England, where I live and reside now, to take up a leadership position. And I worked on in that role for about four or five years. And then through a series of changes, the role was made redundant. I went into clinical research, leading and managing people and helping them with their career development. And after five years, the role was made redundant. So it gave me an opportunity to reflect, look at what I'd learned, look at what interested me, and set myself up in business. Now, that was at the time of the financial crash back in 2008. So uh, probably not the best time to set up a business, but I had no option. It was either that or look for another role or do nothing at all. So. I'd always talked about setting myself up in business, and this seemed like a remarkable opportunity, so I took it. And so far, I haven't made myself redundant. I focused on people development because that was really what interested me. It's what drove me forward. It's what motivated me. 
And over the years, I've really concentrated and focused and specialized in emotional intelligence. So I'm curious about this, and thank you for sharing your story, and kudos to you for being resilient and reflective despite the situation of the environment changing, because a lot of people in my audience have had the misfortune of being redundant, but it's not our fault sometimes, but the, what is in our control is how quickly that we can reflect upon the situation and our true value and being able to bring it forward. But what I want to understand is, what was in, it, in you? Because again, I am proposing to people out there that if you have such expertise, to be think about investing in yourself because that's what is in your control. So what was it about yourself other than whatever it was to say, I think I can do this and believing in yourself to start a business. But part two, I would like to understand what was that journey like? Because it can be scary, exciting, and a great learning experience. So why? Did, what else was it that propelled you forward? Well, it was really sitting down and working out what it is that I could work on what it is that I could give back, and uh, really concentrating on what my special skills were. So it was having a degree of self-awareness and having realistic optimism to be able to say, yes, I can do this. This is what I've got in terms of my skills and capabilities. This is where my strengths lie. So when I'm talking to people, I'm not interested in exploring their weaknesses or their liabilities. I'm interested in exploring what they can do that I can't do, what their skills are, what their strengths are. But uh, obviously, I've had to apply that to myself. So what are my strengths? What are my skills? People will tell me that I am a good listener, and there are reasons for that, which we may or may not get into. But I also recognize that I'm quite empathetic when I'm engaging with people. And I also have an ability to be able to offer ideas and solutions that may not be particularly obvious to people. And uh, I've obviously got to be very, very careful when I share these ideas, particularly in a coaching setting, because it's not a case of my ideas, it's the other person's ideas. It helps me to ask the right questions and steer the conversation in a direction that the person might find of value. You know, that's such an important point that you make there, other than simply leveraging your superpowers in a way that you can help others. That is true leadership, because I find so many of us are praised and celebrated and elevated because we are the go-to people. We have the answers. But there is great power and wisdom in being more of a great listener and analyzing the information or what we hear to become forward with either confirming what we heard or bringing a completely different perspective because I find so many people have blind spots into what are their skills or weaknesses to be able to say, oh yeah, I can pull myself forward using these strengths and not worry so much about those weaknesses. We just have that crystal ball effect. And I would say all leaders need to be able to, and I say this over and over again, even though I love to talk, talk less, listen more. It is much more powerful than having the answers. <laughs> Well, look, let's let's explore the reason why people say that I'm a good listener, because I think it is actually very, very relevant to our conversation. I'm moderately deaf. I wear hearing aids. 
I um, wasn't aware of this in my 20s, 30s, and 40s. It was only later on in life that um, I suddenly realized I wasn't engaging in conversations at a deep level. Now, it turned out through the clinical analysis of where the deafness came from that I probably was losing my hearing in my 20s. So I had to learn compensating mechanisms. I had to truly listen to what people are saying. And if I misheard, then I actually had to clarify what it was that I heard. So it gave me an opportunity to really look at how I was listening and what I was gleaning from the conversation, which enabled me to understand that it that listening goes beyond the words. So okay, I've got this weakness, but I don't consider it to be a weakness at all, the fact that I am deaf. I'm actually really quite, um, well, I wouldn't say pleased about it, but I'm quite accepting of it. And I've turned it into a super strength. Oh, that is so inspiring. <laughs> it's so inspiring because sometimes we fall victim to what people qualify as a weakness and we just accept it. But being able to turn it around and say, well, this is what makes me special and unique and I am going to bring it forward into the world. So thank you so much for that inspiration. But I would just like to just briefly go into you know the topic of emotional intelligence and I don't want to assume everybody out there understands it. Would you be able to briefly qualify this area of expertise that you have and why it is so important. Well, thank you for doing that, Deb. Yes, we should qualify exactly what we're talking about here because we've got these two words, emotional and intelligence, and we put them together and the two are almost diametrically opposed to each other. Well, intelligence is not only cognitive intelligence, IQ, what most people assume intelligence to be, but it's also about emotions. So my definition of emotional intelligence is very simple. It's the way in which you combine your thinking with your feelings in order to make good, authentic decisions and build up quality relationships. I got a quick question. This is me going rogue here. <laughs> Not always do I feel emotionally solid. Sometimes I'm frustrated. I'm hitting every red traffic light. My IT, my technology is not working. And then somebody comes in the room and says, when am I going to have X? That's a trigger point. So <laughs> knowing that emotional intelligence is the combination of the two, how then does one perform better when their emotions are not in check? <laughs> Look, I get the same reaction from myself to certain situations, I think the important thing here is to identify what your hot triggers are and to recognize that's emotional intelligence, that's self-awareness. It's being able to say this situation is raising my hackles, it's causing me to feel anger. And there are going to be times, particularly with my family, when I'm actually going to express that anger inappropriately. And they will then turn around to me and rub my nose in emotional intelligence, quite rightly so. So I think the important thing here is to actually just recognize that as human beings, we are emotional beings. And there are going to be times when situations just go out of our control. Now, am I emotionally intelligent? 
that's an interesting question because if I answer no, what am I doing in the field of emotional intelligence? But if I answer yes or yes, I am, it suggests that there's no room for improvement and there's a certain level of arrogance there. So really it's work in progress. There are times when I will go into a situation, come out of it and think, yeah, I managed myself well, I've developed the relationship, I've moved everything forward, I've made some good decisions. And then there are other times when I come out of a similar situation and I've completely screwed up. Why? Because I'm human. And we have to forgive ourselves for being just that, not be so hard on ourselves. I have been evolving. I am a work in progress. And yeah, I have my hot points, but I am also learning when to walk away, how to diffuse that energy and come back at a time when I am more rational. And I also don't make rash decisions right away. I will almost always sleep on it, knowing that things just seem to solve or resolve themselves within 24 hours. I've taught that to my kids, and I think we all need need to slow things down to respond versus react. Now, I just have a quick question because, again, we've just recently gotten to know each other in the work that you do. Are you working with individuals or corporations or teams? Where is your sweet spot where you help people? Well, I work in all of those areas when the opportunities arise. So today I was in conversation with a young lad in Germany who's asked me to coach him. And I'm absolutely delighted that we had a good chemistry meeting and we'll be able to take that forward. I've got some opportunities to go and speak in India that came in this week, first week of 2024. This is at a conference, so I'll go along and do a keynote speech there. I have opportunities that have arisen to go and do some team development within organizations. So I'll go along and do some work there. But a lot of my work is done online, and I have the most comprehensive series of emotional intelligence courses that are available online. So a lot of my work comes in from people taking my courses online. I don't know who they are, but I do know there's a great variety of people of all ages from every single country in the world. So that's really, really good to know because I too, we do this podcast here and I see the downloads from, I've had it downloaded in over 110 countries. You never know who is listening and leveraging this content. So I do hope that a lot of people not only listen to this conversation, but also share it with others. And I've been thinking in my head as you've been speaking, I have a couple people in my network in the same space. It's it's somewhat of a small community. There is a lot out there, but also not that much. So I definitely want to connect you with that. But I am curious because you're an international person in your reach, but I'm curious about emotional intelligence and are there cultural differences between countries who are or are not receptive to this kind of work? I was just curious about that. It's a really interesting question because I think the, um, the answer to that is yes, but I don't know and I haven't identified it. So I do a lot of work with West Africans, Western Central Africans. I do a lot of work in the Middle East with uh, some of the Saudis and some of the people from Dubai. I do a lot of work in India. I don't change what I do when I speak with people. I don't change my interventions, my training interventions. What I do is I treat people 
as people. And I'm always listening to them and learning from them in terms of what works in their culture and what doesn't work. So for me to go in and talk about, well, this will work, it may do, but it may not. And the only people that can decide that is them themselves. Now, everybody has emotions. Everybody works with emotions. Everybody, to a certain extent, understands emotions. So it's how do they utilize that data? How do they utilize that information to improve their performance and improve their success? That's down to them, because a lot of people I will never, ever see again after these training interventions. But if I touch them, if I've made a slight difference, if I've made them think, if I've made them go away and do something slightly different, something slightly better, then I've had a good outcome. What I'd like to know, if I may, is because I like to make these interviews actionable and relevant other than just people feeling good because they gain some insight from you. And I happen to have this really great voice that people tell me so much that they like to listen to it. But if you had to maybe share a couple, one or two tips with people for to heighten their awareness of maybe typical triggers or situations whereby maybe they can employ a technique or two to elevate their emotional intelligence in a situation? Are there some typical examples that you could present that maybe people can take that and try it themselves? Well, these are very, very simple examples, and they're the examples that you will have used many, many times, and people will have heard many times over. All I will do is repeat them again. If you identify something that is causing you to feel intensely unpleasant, very angry, very anxious, count to 10. Put some space between you and the event in order that you can make the most appropriate decision. You've just done it there. A great deep breath is also very, very useful. It helps the oxygen to flow through the body. It provides more oxygen to the brain. It will help you to feel calmer and it will help you to make better decisions. The other thing to do where people think when they're trying to change their emotional intelligence, it's like an on-off switch. I am more emotionally intelligent or I'm not. It's a case of recognizing something that you can do to make a difference, just a small difference, and practice it every day. Something very, very simple, like saying hello to the receptionist at work. When you walk in, now you, some of you may already be doing that, but uh, if, you, if you don't, just, just do it. And then after a, a few days, once he or she has got over the shock of somebody saying hello to them and being nice to them, you can actually open up a conversation with them beyond how are you today or the weather's nice or whatever. And you'll be able to um, have a deeper conversation, find out a little bit more about them. And through that, you're building up a relationship. And you never know when that person that you just casually pass by and maybe don't pay much attention to can be an amazing resource for you in the future. But it is built on a foundation of just connecting with humans, building a little bit of trust. And you never know where they may be this amazing resource for you in the future or you can be in service to them. So remember that pause. 
talk to people. (laughs) We're only on this earth a few precious years. We need to make the best of it. I wanted to take a moment to remind you that a recent study showed nearly 60% of leaders feel depleted at the end of the day. And this feeling is a key indicator of burnout and makes it difficult to lead and inspire others. If you've ever experienced that restless exhaustion, you know why CEOs are amongst the most likely candidates for experiencing job frustration. I wrote The CEO's Compass, your guide to get back on track, to confront those feelings and create a plan that is sustainable for you and your organization. I created a seven point assessment that will help you figure out your problems in days, not months. And it includes so many resources, worksheets, videos, and much, much more. If this is you, please head over to my website, dropinceo.com and click on my products, The CEO's Compass, and order yours on Amazon or other outlets. And now back to the conversation. So you are a wealth of knowledge. And before we jumped on here, I know there's a particular topic you think is very relevant. Part of my audience, not only are people in the C-suite, presidents, founders, CEOs, and many of you out there that are aspiring into positions of greater impact, maybe not necessarily the C-suite, but I also have some entrepreneurs out there. Entrepreneurs, it's a, um, it's a brave journey that we're on, a lot of courage. I commend all of you that have tried to build something from nothing. But you, Robin, like to talk about the importance of emotional intelligence in the age of artificial intelligence, where that could be a great advantage, competitive advantage, or it could be a threat. So tell me a little bit more about your thoughts in this area in the face of artificial intelligence. Well, artificial intelligence has really become a a very hot topic at the moment with everybody talking about it. And politicians are talking about it here in the United Kingdom. And the media is suggesting that artificial intelligence is going to take over the world. And a lot of people that I speak to in business are feeling threatened by it. And I think the important thing here is to remember that being entrepreneurial is something that artificial intelligence cannot do. There are a number of reasons for that. We have, as human beings, the ability to utilize our emotions, which artificial intelligence will never have and will never understand, to make decisions. We can use our intuition. We can use our gut instinct. We can use this to be creative and innovative. We can think unconventionally. We're not programmed to think about a particular line or a particular pathway or a particular algorithm so we can go off piste how does that make you feel how would you feel if you were a kettle what would you do if you only had a banana these are some stupid ridiculous questions that we can answer and they will prompt us to think prompt us to think in unconventional ways. Now, we might not be able to come up with an answer at all, but AI cannot do that. The other thing that is vitally important, and it goes back to the discussion that we had earlier around connections, AI has not got the ability to empathize and show compassion. It's not got the ability to utilize interpersonal skills at a human-to-human level, 
you are not going to go to a restaurant with a robot and share your deepest memories. You might be able to share yours, but a robot hasn't got any. So these are things that separate us from artificial intelligence. The other important thing about being an entrepreneur is networking. And this is something, again, that artificial intelligence cannot do. It can't build up long-term relationships with people. Therefore, leadership will not be superseded by artificial intelligence because leadership is understanding the emotional context and being able to work with the resource that you've got and the most important resource that you've got are your people. I really, really, really love your thoughts around this because, again, people will fall victim to the media hype for which there's this new technology and people in the beginning may be scared because they simply don't understand the value or how it helps humanity. And I will share a quick story. I was maybe a late adopter to it. However, I have a few tools in my toolbox that I use when it comes to my video editing and production and putting a description out there about what this video is about. I will use AI technology to at least curate and accelerate the key points of what that video is and what Deb has to say. But when I ultimately post it out into the world, I think about my audience. Why is it relevant? Why are these key concepts relevant? So I will lean in to the relationships I have with my audience and explain this is important because of X, Y, and Z curated by the AI tool and then close with what I desire the action to be. So for me, as a late adopter, I have valued it as an enabler. It is an efficiency tool, but requires decision logic on what do I ultimately put out there to inspire my audience. So I agree. (laughs) I think the other important thing to say here is that it needs human intervention when you're utilizing AI because it's good. It's not brilliant. I've asked it some questions and the answer has been inherently wrong. I've actually had to go back and rephrase the question to see if I can get a better answer. And the answer has been inherently wrong. And no matter how I phrase the question, the answer always comes back with what it's been programmed with. And if the answer is incorrect, and people believe it and go away and utilize it, it's going to perpetuate and it puts false information out in the greater wide world, wide world, the greater wider world. I love your wisdom. And I'm so glad that we're having this conversation for people to understand how important emotional intelligence is to the work that we're doing. It is foundational to the relationships and building that connectivity and getting better outcomes. And I love this talk about AI because, again, I didn't understand it that well, but now that I'm using it, I am an adopter. And I'll tell you, it has helped me by leaps and bounds with a little bit of thinking. (laughs) We are still humans. Humans run the world. But I also want to elevate some of the content that you have written. You have written two books, The Authority Guide to Behavior in Business, How to Inspire Others and Build Successful Relationships. And your other book, Strategies to Manage Stress and Weather Storms in the Workplace. I particularly would like to focus on your first piece of work, How to Inspire Others, because so many people talk about 
influence and change management and how to bring people from A to B to C, which is influence and techniques that I teach my audience. But I would love to know your thoughts about how to inspire, how to inspire, because it's slightly different in my view. And I would love to know your thoughts about how to inspire people. I think the important thing, and it goes back to our conversation around leadership, is that as a leader, you need to have honesty, awareness, awareness of your strengths and awareness of what it is that limits you, and an awareness of your behavior and how it impacts other people. Now, the behavior is driven by preferences, it's driven by choices. You have the ability to make some choices, make some decisions around how you're going to react to situations. And um, the way in which you do that is to have vulnerability and know that there are going to be times when you don't get it right. And you've got the ability to be able to stand up and say, do you know, I got it wrong, but this is what we're going to do from here and move forward with it. So by so doing, you then show that vulnerability, which builds up trust. And people really do relate to you as a human being. And through that relationship, it then builds up the inspiration that you're looking for. I love that. Because again, inspiration is not something that you can dictate or make happen. Coaching can influence performance, but inspiration is a little bit more elusive or through a process and time. Time seems to be the element. Once we build trust with people and help them in the process and just being human, you will inspire many. And I will just tell you by being on this platform through the podcast, through bringing amazing people like you, yes, I want to give them actionable tips on what they can do with this content, but I also want to inspire them to think differently. I want to inspire people to share this content with others because this is not a one and done. This is a journey, how to help us perform better at work, at home, business, etc., and be able to do just purposeful work. Now, I want to switch this because this is an area that I like to talk a lot about. It's about risk. Often in my role, when people know about me and they have a crisis, they know to call Deb. Hence, that's the drop-in CEO. It is a bit more expensive because you waited too long. And I think, and I try to influence people to look at their business, look at their situation, look at their people, and try to identify risks in the organization before they have a crisis. So I'd love for you to maybe respond, what do you think the position of emotional intelligence is in avoiding business risk? Because there are a lot of leaders out there that know how to run businesses, how to get services and product out the door, but they don't invest in the emotional intelligence of themselves and their workforce. And I'm wondering what risks might happen or be introduced because we don't have this higher level of awareness in business. I'd love your thoughts in that area. I think a lot of CEOs and C-suite executives are frightened of emotional intelligence because it's going to open up a whole can of worms that they're not capable of dealing with. Uh, how do you deal with somebody who's inherently angry? How do you deal with somebody who's frightened? How do you deal with somebody who's anxious? How do you deal with somebody who's deliriously happy? 
So all of these emotions are emotions that we experience on a day-to-day basis. So what I think the important thing to do is to help people to understand that emotional intelligence is not about suppressing emotions. It's about bringing the emotions to the surface and positively working with those emotions. If somebody's angry, why are they angry? If somebody's fearful, why are they fearful? If somebody's anxious, why are they anxious? If somebody's deliriously happy, why? Because finding out that information will help to make better decisions. If the situation, the environment, the culture, the organization is causing people to feel angry, if the CEO is angry all the time, they cannot induce a happy workforce by shouting at them, by telling them what to do, by pointing out their errors. So the important focus there really is to bring all these emotions to the surface, work very, very positively with them, and help people to perform. And one of the best ways of doing that is something that we've been talking about all through the conversation. It's coaching. You know, you got me thinking. I mean, I am listening and thinking at the same time when you share with me your thoughts. But what we you talked about was the deeper purpose of this work is asking why and what is below the surface. What are the underlying issues? Now, yes, bringing emotions to the surface are important, but we also don't want to squelch or dampen people's personas because I've also had people say, Deb, you are so smooth. You are so calm when you talk. I basically look like I have high emotional intelligence. Talk to my husband. It's a different story. However, by bringing forth these emotions and understanding how they might be disrupting the environment or the organization, it's it's to deal with them, but it doesn't mean to change who we are. We may be a high energy person that may get upset when things are not going right, but how can we channel that energy into forums and positive areas where we can influence the change if they get frustrated? But taking the time to reflect and ask why, why? why is very important, not just to emotional intelligence, but any other area where there is a gap in the organization. Stop, ask, why? It is very revealing. Then it helps to build up one of the core components of emotional intelligence, which is empathy. Now, it's a word that's often banded around. What does it mean? Well, it means understanding thoughts and feelings of another person. It's seeing things from their perspective. It's feeling things from their perspective. Now, you don't necessarily have to agree with them. You just have to understand. Yeah, I just had a situation where I was called back to a client to help. I've worked with them in the past, and they called me back. And it is a bit of a crisis right now. And all I could say was, I'm sorry. (laughs) I was sorry, genuinely sorry that they were in the predicament. But I also said, we're going to get through this together to provide the assurance that was despite the situation, and we could have been very emotional. How do we get to this point? It's about how do we move forward? So 
Robin, I have so, so enjoyed, first of all, getting to know you, bringing your thoughts to my audience and being able to hopefully inspire some people out there. But before we bring this amazing conversation to a close, I'd love for you to share any last thoughts with our audience, as well as how can they reach you? Because I do want people out there where this resonates to definitely reach out to you. So you have the floor one last time. Well, I think it's important just to reflect that we are living in what's known as a VUCA world, a world that's volatile, as uncertain, as complex, as ambiguous. We don't know what tomorrow brings. All we know is how we can adapt and work around that situation as it evolves. And this is something that we can strategically put into place with a good strategic mindset. Again, I'll just re-emphasize this is something that AI cannot do. So remember that you're a human being. Effectively, you are a psychological and a physiological being. So these are important things to work with and adapt around. Yes, we have emotions, but emotions provide us with quality data so that we can make better decisions and build up those relationships. If you want to get in touch with me, please find me on LinkedIn. You can easily find me. It's just Robin Hills. Nice and easy to remember. Or have a look at my website, eiforchange.com. Robin, it was a pleasure to have you drop in on the Drop-In CEO podcast. I am grateful that I was introduced to you, learned from you, inspired my audience, and I do want to wish you well and much success. And to you and your audience as well, Deb, thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Drop-In CEO podcast. I hope you are inspired by our conversation and can apply what you heard to your business or career goals. If you found this valuable, please share this show with at least one friend who will find it useful and inspiring. When you share this podcast, it allows me to continue to help C-suite leaders of today and tomorrow to navigate their challenges with confidence. To connect with me or learn more about the Drop-In CEO services, go to my website at dropinceo.com. And until we meet, I wish you well and much success.